0: first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of edinburgh in leith scotland since then the game has changed dramatically golf courses equipment and not least the rules so where do i go when i want to learn about the rules of the game today well i go to the golf rules questions podcast with blakey and roscoe of course so sit back relax and enjoy this episode of the golf rules questions podcast Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. It's Roscoe here, your co-host, and sitting ably, digitally, alongside the Golf Rules master himself once again for another week of Golf Rules mania.
1: Blakey, how are you, sir? Yeah, very good. Roscoe, we still got our title of uh, number one Golf Rules podcast in Australia.
0: Well, don't tell too many people because it might force them to make another golf rules uh, podcast. But I believe that while we are the only podcast, golf podcast in Australia that's talking about and fo- focusing and featuring the uh, nuances, the uh, subtleties and the, I guess the uh, challenges that sometimes golf rules present to us all everyday golfers, we we are probably the only one. So therefore, number one. So yeah, well, well done to you again for churning out and turning up for another episode of your own podcast. So i just sit here and press the buttons and um and learn along the way now this week's podcast uh we'll try and keep it a little bit brief because we're both very busy people in the world of golf so uh, so we'll uh we'll we'll keep it to the point i I think today we might try that what do you think yeah absolutely let's give it a go i'm already going off point by by going off point so we're going to focus this episode on on a handful of rules so we might stick to four but there are more and we might come back to the, the rest of them at another time. Uh, rules that you may not realize that you are breaking when you are playing. So, there's there's a few that are probably a little bit more obvious and, and people might get, but, but I reckon there are a few that uh, a lot of people wouldn't realize that they are breaking them and, and not in a, a, a mischievous way, but uh, they just reckon they just might not realize. So, let's try and help uh, everyone understand some of those. And we'll cover a few today and we might come back in another episode, a few down the track, and, and cover those. But, but secondly, uh, usually on the rundown, we talk about the golf rules question of the week. So obviously we had last week's Rules question. Uh, we do a little bit, bit of background bingo. And uh, we do an either if we've got an Iver. No one ever came back to us about Waheen Neiman. You said, what can I say, Waheen? I reckon I'm right. Um, tell me I'm wrong. And uh, and what else? We've got some background bingo. Yeah, we can talk about that. So let's get into it, Blakey. What was last week's Rules question? Let's tell everyone the answer to
1: that and uh, go from there. Yeah, so last week's Rules question of the week was... About dropping the ball uh, in the correct relief area, it hits the spot within the correct relief area and then hits your uh, club and then goes outside the relief area. Is that a, uh, is the next drop your first drop or a re drop? Uh, And so that the idea of this question was to get the listener uh, to understand or the viewer on youtube uh, to understand that if it hits the ground within the relief area first it doesn't matter if it accidentally hits uh, your equipment after that it's still considered a correct drop um, with all other factors considered such as dropping from knee height etc so the fact that it rolled outside the relief area meant it was a first it was a correct drop the first time and now you are redropping okay a okay, redrop so- is you're dropping again correct uh, under the correct circumstances um, to get your ball back into play okay so if it hits your club
0: you've you've made a correct drop as long as you've done everything else correctly you've made a correct drop but you have to and it's rolled outside the area you've got to redrop it and that's your second drop is that correct?
1: That, that's right. So if it had the the slight difference as if it had hit the club first. If it had hit the club first before it hits the ground in the relief yep. area, it yep. doesn't count as a correct drop. So
0: the I guess the thing is, you know, you may be taking a drop and obviously on a slope, but you still got to drop it. You can't place it. You don't want to risk your ball rolling down the face of the you know, whatever the uh, entry point is into the penalty area, you might put a club there to stop the ball going into the water and not losing your ball. Is that sort of where this might be in play and the ball rolls and the club stops it and then you get to do it again and then play, drop it again and then place it.
1: Correct. Yeah. Great example. I mean, you could even put your bag in the uh, inside of the penalty area uh, to stop, to stop the ball. Um from definitely, all the way into the penalty area. Because you definitely don't want to lose your ball
0: on a drop into the uh, fast-flowing penalty area because uh, then you'd have one less golf ball. Now, if it might be a TP5 or it might be a Pro V1, or it might be something else. Um, has anyone tapped you for uh, more sponsorship of the uh, the golf uh, rules questions?
1: Uh, Cancer Council longest day ball donation? Uh, no, no, you're the only generous soul at this <laughs> stage. But uh, thank you very much for posting on your Instagram because I got a couple of extra donations that way. And I really appreciate everyone's donations so far. Uh, Joey and I have uh, nearly got up to $500. so oh,
0: That's uh, sensational.
1: It's, yeah, no, it's, it's going really well. And that's just uh, within a week. So we've only got another few days to go. And really, Joey and I are really looking forward to... Uh, trying to play 72 holes in one day so it's it's going to be heaps of fun so yeah yeah um thank you to everyone that's donated so far so the team name is
0: can i borrow some balls can i borrow some balls well i'll give you some balls but uh, if anyone else from those big brands that uh, you know we we listed in some instagram posts you know if you want to donate some balls as well more than welcome hey um Okay, so let's get into what we're talking about
1: this week. So some rules that you may be breaking that you don't realize that you are. Yeah, well, this is an interesting one that just happened. There was an interesting one that happened in the US Open, uh, the Women's Open just on the weekend, uh, which you don't see that often. Uh, It does happen, but it's 99.9% of the time players are turning up correctly uh, on the correct time of their tee time. Now, I had a couple of people um, really... Annoyed at this rule because they believe that, um, you know, that there were there were four teeing areas that the player could have uh, been allocated to. Um, they played two courses, so there was the first, the tenth, on one course, and then the first and the tenth on the next course. So uh, they thought there was a bit raw that someone was penalised when it was so confusing, <laughs> but. <laughs> But I thought, I thought that was that was quite funny considering everyone else got it right. So, you know, all you've got to do... Like, before you start playing the game, you've just got to know one thing. When are you teeing off? And turn up 10 minutes early. It's, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's that hard. Do you think it's that hard, Roscoe? No excuses
0: for professionals in the professional game to uh, not be on time for their tee time. You, I can't think of anything... Uh, reason why they wouldn't, you know, uh, myself, uh, could I stick my hand up for being late for a tea time at Peninsula Kingswood? Absolutely. It's because I'm burning the candle, maybe just because I'm unorganized on late. But uh, yeah, what happens in that sense if, uh, you know, in the club competition, if you're a couple of minutes late to your tea time?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, in most cases, club golfers are going to be, like, you know, the club's going to be more accommodating of club golfers. Uh, you'll see that. Uh, and, you know, if someone's um, not going to get there to their 7.30 tee time because they overslept or uh, the wife wasn't feeling that well, they'll ring up and then the the golf shop will allocate them a new time, you know, maybe at uh, 9.30, two hours later, or, you know, They'll find another space, another gap. In professional golf, you know, bad luck if you can't turn up on your time, uh, you're basically going to be uh, incur that penalty. But in club golf, it's a little bit more flexible because the committee can basically change your time. But you know that that doesn't mean that there's an excuse for being late. And and if if a player is constantly late, the committee can easily sanction them from not being involved in competitions going forward the bigger risk to me is you get slapped with
0: uh being framed as a bad bloke or bad girl um and yeah therefore people lose a bit of confidence in putting their name down with you if you're a if you're you're a late tea time uh turner opera but um yeah usually these days you can let someone know and it gets sorted out, but there's not necessarily the same penalties uh, that are applied when you are on the tour. I'd be looking for a new caddy if I was that young lady at the uh, Women's US Open.
1: Anyway, I mean that's what we like about golf is that you can get labelled. <laughs> you know, they they say it's bullying, but I don't think it, it, it's bullying if you're in the wrong. It's so you it's... know, if you're if you're late to the tee time, you should be known as a, as an unorganised, um, disrespectful person. Well, might be a bit harsh that that. Well, you know, thing. there's there's exceptional circumstances, but you know, we all know that there's except, exceptional circumstances, but um, forgetting about them for a second. If you don't tee up, uh, turn up to your tea time on time, um, and you don't even have the the um, you know, now to uh, call up beforehand, you know, give give plenty of warning. You know, like if uh,
0: this topic falls into the uh, area of golf rules, which aren't really officially rules, but they are common courtesies, otherwise known as etiquette. And uh, you know, we could probably dedicate a whole podcast one day to etiquette, which is not not rules, but they are etiquette, and there are a whole number of them. And I think some of the newer golfers that listen to this podcast about rules would really get some value out of uh, us dedicating a lot of time to the etiquette that surrounds the game of golf, especially in competition, especially at club land. And, uh, and even, even as a social golfer playing social golf week in week out in amongst, you know, a field of 200 social golfers, there are certain etiquettes. And if everyone abided by them, um, you know, that, that social golf world would be a far better, more enjoyable place, not a better place, a more enjoyable place for a wider range of people, you know, Picking up other people's balls because someone's, you know, sprayed one onto the middle of the next fairway, and you know, the group coming up, just walking up, going, "Oh, there's a pro one. I'll just pick it up," you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And
1: just, just, uh, just before we quickly move on. Yep. Uh, etiquette has been removed from the rules, but it's still in our in our lives. I still use the term, and I think it's a pretty good term because I grew up on it. Uh, but just for those listening, it's it's more about what we call the spirit of the game. Um, So the same thing, etiquette, spirit of the game. It's all about playing with integrity, honesty, uh, morals and ethics, basically. So not sure why the ex-president of the US um, actually played golf. Well, let's uh, come back and dedicate an episode
0: to etiquette and spirit of the game one time down the track. Uh, Padding down divots, and I'm going to put in pitch marks there. Uh, on your lo- line of play and in and around that. So that's, that's an area I think uh, that people may not necessarily be 100% aware of. So, you know, pitch marks on the green, you're off the green, um, divots, et cetera. What's the,
1: what's the go there? So you're always permitted, always permitted to fix pitch marks on the green. Doesn't matter whether your ball's on or off. Okay. So you're always permitted to fix pitch marks on the green. You're, almost, you're always permitted to fix damage on the green, Um, caused by an outside influence except uh, I guess there is some exceptions such as normal maintenance practices but outside of the green uh, you're not allowed to fix damage uh, outside of the green and the teeing area sorry Roscoe Uh, you're not allowed to fix damage so we're just talking general area bunker penalty areas you're not allowed to fix damage that will improve your conditions affecting your next stroke unless it was damaged, caused by uh, someone else, caused by an outside influence after your ball would come to rest. So let's try and, you know, cause this is obviously not a real simple one, but let's try and make it as simple as possible. If you've got a divot beside your ball uh, or a divot hole, uh, you know, in the fairway in the rough, you wouldn't be permitted to fix that until after you've played your shot. So after it's away from your conditions. Does that make sense, Roscoe? So it's, it's about playing the course as you find it. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah, okay. So um, can you give me a real simple example? So if you're just off the green and there's a pitch mark, even if it's, if it's your pitch mark uh, on your line of play, just off the green... Even if that was going to affect where you're trying to bump and run your chip shot, yep, you, w- you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be permitted to fix it because that's part of the course. Yep. So uh, that's a that's probably a, a very common unknown yeah. scenario
0: that you know you've, you've lobbed up short of the green, your pitch mark is on the fringe, uh, you want to putt it, yeah, um, you, you know you pit, and you just can't walk up and fix that okay. because. It's on the fringe of the green, not even on the fairway, but the fringe, uh, if it's not on the putting surface, you can't repair that pitch mark because um, it's on the line, line of your intended next stroke, so
1: you can't repair it. Yeah, that, that's right. It's, uh, even if you cause the damage, you know, if you worsened your conditions, you have to accept them. Cool. Very good. I think that's
0: probably the common scenario that a lot of people might not realise that they uh, potentially are breaking when they're playing in a competition, fi- walking up fixing that pitch mark on the fringe and trying to, um,
1: because I want to have a part. So very good. And and we're not saying don't fix divots. We're just saying don't fix divots when it's going to affect your next stroke. Yeah. Okay. Outside, outside of the teeing area or the putting green or a pitch mark, that's right. Exactly. But just do it after you've
0: yeah, bumped,
1: and run, bumped exactly. and run over it. Uh, after it's outside of your conditions. Uh, we'll
0: go with the next one. Now, I don't think this is very common, but uh, I think that I've definitely seen someone try to do it in a competition round. Uh, obviously, they were stymied up the beside uh, and between it near a tree. The only foreseeable shot that they could play was um, trying to whack it between their legs. What's the scenario there? Can you yep. play a shot between your legs?
1: Yeah, so uh, this started... When did it start? I think it was 1934, 1944. Uh no, it wasn't. Sorry. I've totally got that wrong. It was 1966 and Sam Snead uh, was struggling with his putter. So he decided to putt croquet style. And it only took a year till the ruling bodies decided that that was not what they wanted to see. They didn't want to see croquet uh, being played out in the golf course. So they said, you can't have a foot either side of the line of play Uh, when you're making a stroke. Now, that was on the green only. And from 1967 to 2019, uh, 50 years, uh, that was the rule. However, in 2019, they decided that they were going to make it the rule for the whole course. So basically, you cannot have your foot situated on, an ex- on your line of play, on extension of your line of play behind the ball, uh, or one on either side of that line of play or extension of the line of play behind the ball uh, when making a stroke. Okay, so you can't play that croco. You can't hit it between your legs backwards. Uh, I even, even uh, sent this one um, to the ruling bodies for their comments. If it was up the tree and you're heading sort of that way like an axe right the ball's up the tree if you're standing either side of that line of play then that would also be not permitted Jeez, that's a bit rough but anyway it is what it is that's the rule yeah you'd have to swing
0: like yeah. A, like a, yeah in the direction of a golf shot yeah fair or enough baseball or something yep yeah. Uh, now, yeah. So
1: that, that uh, ex- absolutely. That's a, that's a one in a thousand occurrence, that one.
0: Um, so the example that i I remember seeing once you, you know, the ball was in a, the base of a tree uh, near some sort of root, um And the player put their sort of leg up the stump of the tree, up the tree trunk. Sorry, is that's what it's called. And then one on the other side of the ball and then just hit it through the legs. Can't do that. No, you can't do that.
1: If you've, if you've got, oh, well, that's actually, Roscoe, you sprung one on me because that's interesting. Um, because, okay, I'll give this example uh, first. If you have one foot on one side of the line and then the other foot is on the other side of the line, but it's not actually on the ground, uh I because if we read the rule really quickly, 10.1c, the player must not make a stroke from a stance with a foot deliberately placed on each side of or with the with the foot deliberately touching. so it needs to be placed or touching.
0: Okay so the, in, the, in the tree in the tree trunk example it's not really
1: on the line, it's above yeah that's yeah it's not it hasn't really been.
0: You might have to uh, do some further yeah. further research at home. Might I have to, might have to come back. I have
1: do that one because
0: fill us fill us back in with that one, Blakey, and give us the yeah, real. Like if it if it's placed against
1: the tree trunk, yeah, I, you know I can't get my foot up there right now. But if it's placed against the tree trunk, yes, that is placed. It's if it's touching against. But like I, the one I'm thinking, the guy's actually holding onto the tree with his um with his legs, like with his thighs. No. Um, So that would be okay because he hasn't placed his feet against the tree. Whereas the one you're talking about, he's actually placed his foot, uh, one foot against the tree. That's on the other side of the line, this side of the line, he's got his foot placed on the ground. Yeah. That would be a breach. Okay. Uh, Hopefully we've
0: described that well enough for everyone who's listening to this uh, to get the uh, right visual, but uh, basically foot up the trunk of the tree. You know what I'm going to do? You're going to I'm gonna, take a photo
1: you now I'm, I'm gonna go and create that
0: and yeah. say what you can and can't do there we go very very good. Now the other one here is um, that we've got I think everyone should be fairly up to speed with this but causing the ball to move in a practice stroke and not replacing it.
1: Yeah so a practice stroke is not an intentional stroke you know there's a difference between a practice stroke, a practice swing and an intentional shot. Okay. There's a difference between those three practice swing. You're not trying to hit the ball practice stroke. You are trying to hit the ball, but you're not trying to hit it to score on the hole and intentional stroke. That's, you know, what golf is all about. If you cause your ball to move with a practice swing, you're not trying to hit the ball. If you cause the ball to move, you're going to get a one stroke penalty in the general area, the bunker, penalty area, you're not going to get a penalty on the teeing area or the putting green, but apart from the teeing area, the putting green, penalty area, bunker and general area, you need to replace that ball. Okay, pretty simple. So
0: so I think that's the point that uh, a lot of people sort of maybe want to really understand that they accept that they've caused the ball to move in a practice stroke and the ball's moved
1: and they have to take the penalty, but you do have to replace it. Yeah, well, they think, well, I've, I've made a swing, the ball's moved, I've hit it with the club, so I've just played it from its new spot. No, if you had no intention to cause the ball to move in that swing because it was a practice swing, then you haven't hit the ball technically. You've Doing that is the same as kicking the ball. Yeah. You've caused it to move other than during a stroke. And what about if in the practice st- stroke
0: you hit a twig and inadvertently that twig is sort of wedged under the ball and the ball moves. So you, you don't hit the ball on the practice stroke, but you hit a bit of loose impediment and then that
1: causes the ball to move. Yeah. That's a one stroke penalty and you'd have to replace it other than on the teeing area or the put, uh, the putting on green. the putting green. Yeah. Very good. Well, I
0: think we've caught covered uh, four areas there. As I said, there's more. And I think uh, this little uh, bit of help might, um, might just clear up a few scenarios for a few, a few players. Of course, the week in week out uh, rules, diligent golfers that do listen, probably going to be fully aware of those, but hopefully we're uh, we're talking to some of the golfers out there that look to us for a little bit of informal help. So hopefully that's helped you. Let us know if it has, if it hasn't let us know as well. Doesn't mean we're going to change it. All feedback is welcome. <laughs> exactly. All feedbacks welcome. Now, what else have we got on the run sheet? We've got uh, background well, bingo. Also, well, uh, yeah. Oh well, no, no, no. We've got one more. We've got one. More. We've got. We've got one more from the tour, which was very pertinent because yeah. uh, you can't talk about rules without talking about this uh, tour star. Well, you're just talking about loose
1: impediments. Uh, exactly
0: right. So let me just uh, bring this up and see if we can get it going. It's uh, yes, it is the one and only Patrick Reed. Um, watching the Race to Dubai final on the weekend, which is a great tournament. I love the European Tour. I'd probably prefer to watch that over the PGA Tour. I'm probably going to get slated. But uh, Patrick Reed could have uh, won that. He was obviously way up there in the points due to his um, early results and some of the performances in the majors, which accumulate t- points across both tours. So he turned up for to win the Race to Dubai. Didn't win. But on the 17th hole of the last day, he found himself in a little situation in a bunker. So let's play what it says here. Pretty good life. So Reed in the bunker, he was mostly concerned about the stance. He's going to have to try and use every bit of wind and just try and spin it up into it a little bit, grab it back into the grain. If he pitches the green, in difficult
1: terms, this has got to be somewhere between seven, and eight out of ten. You call for a ruling, there's a little stone or something behind that.
0: You've got to figure he has to finish 14 under at worst. He's going to be very careful when it comes to the rules, as Patrick, he's got no credit left. It's just a little clump of sand, but it's not really going to be where the club's entering the sand to play the shot, is it? It's too close. Andrew Coulthard was spot on there. You could see that what you don't see in the podcast and you'd look for the vision. If you go to the uh, YouTube site of golf rules questions, it's the last video there. There might be some more by the time you get to it, but uh, have a look at that. And the European tour cameras scope right in on the ball. And I, in my, in my mind's eye, I'm, I'm hearing, I'm looking at, uh, Andrew Coulthart and Paul McGinley looking at each other, shaking their heads. But Andrew Coulthart does say there's not really anything there. And if you look at that scoped in vision, it just looks like a ball in a bunker. But Patrick Reed and his wisdom has uh, found something that the uh, super zoom 1080p high high definition cameras of the European Tour couldn't see, and uh, wanted to move a grain of sand. That's what it looked like to me.
1: Yeah. So you know, if it had been a little pebble or a rock, that is a loose impediment, and Patrick would be able to remove it um, but you've got to be careful when you're in a bunker so you're allowed to remove loose impediments but if you cause your ball to move uh, you're going to get a a one-stroke penalty and you need to replace the ball so if it's a clump of sand you know as soon as you pick it up and it breaks and dissolves in your hand yeah that that's not a clump of sand uh, that's not a loose impediment and effectively that is a two-stroke penalty so you really want to be careful and you know, he called the referee in, uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong. The referee would have said, look, it's up to you whether, you know, you're allowed to remove loose impediments, but it's up to you whether you decide that that's a loose impediment or not. If you find out it's not a loose impediment after the fact, it's too late for that. Yep. So, um, yeah, you've got to watch out. I think there might be only other one player in the world golf tours that might've
0: uh, tried that. Uh, that'd be um, Roy. Mac, Matt Kutcher. No, Matt Kutcher. He's ah. for doing that as well, but Patrick Reed would be the only one. Unfortunately, you know, we're slating Patrick Reed here is apart from these little nuances. He's, he's a wonderful golfer. Uh, he's a great golfer to watch that the play that he put, performance that he put on at the European tour, he ultimately didn't win, but um, yeah, he's a great golfer, but just these little things have just dogged him and are going to dog him. And you heard Paul McGinley rightly say he's out of credit in this, uh, in this topic. So um, I I was, I was perplexed when I watched it. But anyway, there we go. Thanks for the explanation on that one. Background bingo for this week or for last week. uh, What was yours last week, Roscoe? Mine? Yes, it was the hello turf of uh, my home course, which I will be playing tomorrow. Um, with a European tour player, actually, funnily enough. Um, It's going to be very exciting. Uh, Playing tomorrow at Peninsula Kingswood, that was the look from the second tee of the north course, or the 18th tee of the south course, the Chera tee, sort of common tee area. Um, But it was looking back over the 17th hole of the south course and the 16th hole. So, yep, great photo by Stuart Kurt, looking over those two wonderful holes. It's a great-looking uh, course from up there and those two holes look sensational so i think uh, ian miller might have got it again surprise surprise yeah A- andrew miller uh, andrew sorry andrew uh
1: yeah he he did he got the holes as well um <laughs> he did he killed it and and he obviously got mine as well uh Birugara, which is where i'll be playing the 72 holes the ultimate test of golf this coming monday with joey
0: so Andrew, you've uh, you've caused me to find something that's an even more obscure picture. It's still, um, you can see my hat if you're watching the YouTube video and please go over and, and join that. And help like you get the 3000 YouTube subscribers. Uh, we're, we're only 20 or 30 away. like right. to get the three. Well, I think we're about six away now. Six away, sorry. Sorry for underselling your your um, authority there. But you can see I've got another Melbourne Sandbelt hat on. Uh, and the picture here is far, far more obscure, Andrew Miller. This is directed at you. Um, but I, I put it up there because it's it's a great little insight for those that do look at the YouTube and and don't understand the nuances of what makes the sandbelt sandbelt. And this little almost like um, terrain sort of cut through shows you exactly why a sandbelt bunker is so special. You can see the green and that uh, you know topsoil there, firmly placed on that uh, sandy loam, that hard face. Uh, if you've watched any of the tournaments at the sandbelt courses, you can you know the bunkers. The ball hits the face and then always rests at the nice flat bottom where you've got a beautiful brown sort of sandy. It's not a white sand like you see on the European Tour. Oh, uh, sorry, US PGA Tour. It's a greyish color. But this beautiful loamy consistency. But that picture that sits behind me is a great cross section of what makes up a classic sandbelt bunker. You can see a little bit of erosion in there, but that really sharp edge. There are not too many sandbelt courses that have sharp edges as such. So that's a little hint, Andrew Miller, but for anyone else that does want to join in and have a look at these pictures and have a guess at where they are.
1: And my one uh, has some snowy covered peaks in the background. So there's a hint, definitely not Birragarra. That's right. Uh, So it's, it's definitely in the South Island somewhere. Uh, Not an easy one to get. What else can I say? My parents play there. Okay, that's probably uh, narrows it down to a certain part. Blakey, have we got anything else? Is that uh, no ivers, no nothing else? Well, good. Uh, well, we just got a golf rules question of the week. Oh,
0: sorry. How dare I forget that? The most important segment of the uh, of the segments.
1: What's this week's <laughs> question, Blakey? You've got it there. Yeah, I've got it uh, in in my hand. You know, one of those little blower machines, Roscoe. Yes, I have one. If your ball moves because of one of those little blower machines being turned on, is the ball considered to have been caused to move by an outside influence or by natural forces such as wind, water or gravity? Okay. Well,
0: interesting question. I can't imagine a scenario where a player might be carrying their own personal blower machine. Uh and golf, But what I do know is those big blower machines do run up and down the fairways with the maintenance crew, blowing the leaves off the fairways, um, depending on where you play. If they've got that type of machinery, it is very possible one of those blowers could move your ball. You know, if the, if the green staff have moved to the side to let you play, you know, you've all hit your balls down the fairway, but they then continue on passing up and down the fairway, pushing the leaves off the fairway to the side of the fairway big, massive blowers that get towed, it is possible that one of those might move your ball and you might see that ball running down the hill. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably a... I can't remember the last time I took my own personal Ryobi blower uh, to the golf course, Blakey, to blow my ball around. But uh, anyway, that might be a more relevant way to describe that. What do you think? Yeah, that, that was a better example
1: than the one I offered. <laughs> you ever taken your personal blower to the golf course, Blakey? No, but I saw it on... Uh, the reason I brought it up, I saw it on Instagram and posted it. Reposted oh, right. it the other day there about someone searching for their golf ball um, through, uh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. through leaves. Yes, uh, with with their personal Ryobi or my okay. preference. My preference is the Makita. But Makita. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, it wouldn't be a, a
0: golf Rules questions podcast without a little bit of fun and frivolity. We finished on that. Thanks everyone for joining us once again. We do appreciate everything that you are bringing to us and giving to us as uh, two rogue random podcasters in the world of golf rules. Thanks for listening. Blakey, is that it from
1: you? That is it from me. Uh, You'll be hearing from me the ultimate test of golf. So uh, looking forward to that. See you guys. Good luck, mate. Good luck.